You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. If you like our show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or something else, and we will automatically deliver new episodes to your device each morning. Also, you can play this podcast by asking Google, Siri, or Alexa to play Locked On Jets. And one last thing, if you like the show, give it a good review. That helps us out. Well, the NFL is officially in the offseason. Jets have been in, in the offseason for a month now, but um, and most of the teams have as well. Uh, but the final game of the season was played on Sunday as the Chiefs won the Super Bowl mercifully ending the New England Patriots run as Super Bowl champions. The Chiefs are now the champions. They won the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. So now all eyes are on the offseason, although most fans' eyes have been on the offseason for a while now. You know, there, there were only two teams left playing, and most of the teams, like 20 of the 32 teams, their season ended at the end of Week 17, much like the Jets. So there are kind of two focuses right now in the NFL as we move to the offseason. One eye is always on the draft, and I always feel like the draft is kind of a year-long thing. People are always focused on the draft. Um, in fact, I, I even know some people in the NFL, some scouts, who when one draft, they, they say that there's no offseason when it comes to the draft. The day the draft ends, you start focusing on the next year's prospects. So the draft right now, we are nearing combine season in when it comes to the draft i always think of the, the season is kind of in phases is first you have like the college preseason where you you know the, the kind of the initial rankings are set then you have the college season where guys raise their stock or their stock goes down based on their level of play then you have like all-star season which is focused on the senior bowl where you have like the best guys competing against each other in practice then you have the combine then you have pro days where players are able to do drills at their home school and then finally you have the te- the visits to the team each team gets a certain number of visits for prospects and then you have the draft but also ahead of us is free agency the fr- it's it's free agent season which will approach in march and that's the start of the new league year i talked about this on a show recently that the nfl's calendar is not january to december it's march to march so once the new league year starts teams will be able to start talking about talking to free agents actually i think it's typically a day or two before that point the nfl has what's known as the, the legal tampering period where teams are allowed to chat with free agents to be before the the official start of free agency. The reason the league instituted that legal tampering period is that teams were not following the rules, so they figured figured that uh, they might as well just let the teams talk to the players anyway. Now, if that makes any sense to you, you let me know, because I'd I'd love to hear the explanation for that, that because teams were cheating, instead of enforcing the rules, we're just going to make this illegal move legal. I'm sure, and I'm sure teams are now not chatting with players before the legal tampering period, seeing as how they were allowed to do it before the league created the legal tampering. It's just crazy. But anyway, actually, free agency is going to be our topic today. And I'm going to try and elaborate on something that I say frequently on this show. And hopefully it will make sense because I think sometimes you speak in broad terms and 
sometimes it's easy to be misunderstood by what you mean. And I, one of the things I frequently say is that teams cannot build. You cannot build. I don't think you can build a championship team in free agency in this league. And I'm going to start off by explaining what I don't mean by that. What I do not mean is that I, I do not mean that you never, ever, 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 ever sign a free agent. And, you know, when I say you can't build a championship team through free agency, I think maybe sometimes people take this to take these comments as though I, I mean it to the extreme, where that, which means you can never sign a free agent. Now, listen, in, in an ideal world, I'd like to use free agency very little because I, in an ideal world, what you have is you have a pipeline of young talent, homegrown talent ready to step in. I think that's the ideal. And there are a couple teams in the league who have been able to largely avoid free agency. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a team that rarely participates in free agency. Or if you look at the Green Bay Packers under their former former general manager, Ted Thompson, they've avoided free agency. In fact, I wouldn't even argue that the Packers avoided free agency to their detriment. They avoided free agency to such a level that maybe it did not help them out. But the Packers also did win a Super Bowl. And as much as people want to say that, that was only Aaron Rodgers, Packers did a pretty good job finding talent. And, you know, even some of the players who were not technically homegrown, some of the players who had spent time in other organizations were practice squad players who the practice, who the Packers picked up and developed into quality starters. You know, so if you can do that, if you, if you can develop enough talent in your pipeline that you always have a starter ready to step in when another, when another starter leaves your team, young guy, I think that's ideal. I mean, I think that that's something you should strive for as an NFL team. But I'm not saying you stay out of free agency altogether. And for the Jets, I don't think it's going to be very practical for the Jets to completely stay out of free agency. That's not what I'm saying when I'm saying the Jets can't build through free agency. The Jets don't have a pipeline of young talent right now. Now, hopefully they have some. Hopefully they start drafting better, and hopefully the, some of the young players who are on the roster right now grow into bigger roles. But you look at this Jets roster now; there are just too many needs for them to stay out of free agency altogether. They're going to have to hit on some free agent signings. So that's something I, I want to be very clear on here from the outset because I think it's very easy to, for, to listen to somebody say you can't build through free agency and take that to mean, well, the Jets just need to find a bunch of you know, scrap heap level players, a bunch of practice squad players, and build and hope these guys develop into superstars. That's not what I'm saying. And I think that any practical analysis of the Jets – is going to acknowledge that the Jets are going to need to not only participate in free agency this year, but hit in free agency this year if they want to turn this thing around. We're here on the Locked on Jets podcast on this Tuesday. We're talking about free agency, and in particular, I'm trying to kind of explain my free agent philosophy, which I feel like is kind of the free agent philosophy you have to have in the NFL. I think that there are other sports where building your roster through free agency is a valid method of team building. I don't think it really is in the National Football League, though. And this is what I'm going to explain. In the first segment, I talked a little bit about how you should not take that to mean that I'm against any free agent signing. I'm not. But I don't think that you can build your team through free agency from the standpoint that I don't think you can get your difference makers through free agency for the most part. You know, maybe here or there you can. I, I, I never want to st- – anything I state when it comes to team building is never an absolute. There are always exceptions to the rule. But building a football team is all about the percentages. You're never – no GM is ever going to get 
100% of his draft picks right or 100, make 100% of his signings right. All you have, but you have to play the percentages. You have to figure out which guys are the likeliest to, to succeed because if you're constantly taking bets that have a 75% shot at succeeding, you're going to build a good team. You're, you're going to build a better team than the guy who's constantly making bets that have 25% shot of succeeding. Yeah, it's possible the guy who who keeps taking the 25% bets gets hot and wins a couple of times. Yeah, it's possible the guy who keeps taking 75% bets is going to lose, get on a cold streak. But for the most part, over the long haul, these percentages even out. Now, I think in the NFL, team great teams are built around great players. You know, I think every great team has a core of star-level performers, which carry the team. And stars are really important because your your stars make life easier on somebody on somebody else. And quarterbacks are obviously like the biggest stars. A great quarterback can elevate a team. If he has a bad offensive line, his pocket presence or his mobility can help compensate for that. If you have a great wide receiver, he draws double coverage, which frees other guys up. If you have a great running back, he draws an extra safety into the box, leaves your receivers outside one-on-one. A great tight end is a matchup problem for a defense. He draws he draws a lot of attention. You know, he, he a great tight end might take a, might limit a great pass rusher because the, an edge rusher might have to chip a tight end on his way out, give a tight end a shove, and delay his pass rush just to disrupt it, the, the tight end's route. Or on the defensive side of the ball, with back when the Jets had Darrell Revis, they would just leave him alone, one on one and allow them allow Rex Ryan to clog the rest of the field, clog the other passing lanes with defenders. A great pass rusher forces the entire offensive line to slide in his direction, leaving guys leaving other pass rushers one on one. A great safety like Jamal Adams can take out the great tight end or the great pass catching running back. Great players elevate your team. They make everybody else's life easier. Here's the thing is it's very difficult to find these players in free agency. In fact, I actually went through on uh, Tuesday, or I'm sorry, on Monday, I actually went through the 2019 all-pro teams in the NFL. Now, there are a couple different all-pro teams in this league, and these are typically the, the truly elite players in the league. They're honored as all-pros. So you, you have a number of different uh, teams. You have the Associated Press all-pro team. You have the Sporting News. You have the Pro Football Writers Association. Um, yeah, a bunch of entities have all-pro teams. And I counted this by hand, so forgive me if I missed one or two or you know got one or two number off by one or two, but I counted 47 players who made either first or second team all pro at their position on one of the lists. So just making one of the teams. If you made only the, the AP team or if you made only the Pro Football Writers Association team, you're on my list. I did not count special teamers because kickers are not that expensive. Punters are not that expensive. So of the 47 players on offense and defense that I found, seven of them arrived at their current team through free agency. Only seven. Now, most of these guys were drafted and homegrown. Most of these guys were homegrown talent. Some of them were traded. And I'll explain, you know, I'll kind of explain why it's easier to make a trade for a guy than it is to sign him to free agency later on. And this is not a one-year phenomenon. In fact, last year I only counted two players who made an all-pro team. Year before, I only counted six players. So you, know, you think about how many players. Again, this year I counted seven out of forty-seven. That's, you know, that's under twenty percent. It's really tough to find these difference makers. These guys don't hit free agency. 
the guys who get paid a lot of money in free agency are the Trumaine Johnsons of the world, guys who there are warning labels on them, like a Trumaine Johnson. And this should have been obvious. I said this at the time, the Jets signed Trumaine Johnson before the 2018 season. There should, should have been warning on him. There were, pl- there were red flags all over the place for Trumaine Johnson. Never, no all-pro teams, no Pro Bowl teams in his career. And Jets were paying him like the best corner in the league. But that's what happens in free agency. It's not those genuine superstars, typically, who hit the open market. It, yeah, occasionally it happens. Occasionally a Stephon Gilmore will hit the open market and a smart team like New England will sign him and get the most out of him. But it, generally speaking, there are more true main Johnsons than there are Stephon Gilmores out there. These are guys who want to be paid like elite-level players but are not elite-level players. And it's important to note this because I think, generally speaking, there are two different, there are two different types of players who are among the highest at their position in the league. There are the homegrown players like a Jamal Adams, the genuine homegrown stars. And Jamal Adams is going to probably be the highest paid safety in the NFL before too long. And then there are the Trumaine Johnsons, the guys who want to be paid like that are good, but they're not at that level. And their current team understands that. And they're not, gonna, they're not willing to pay the player that what he wants, so they let him op- hit the open market. And that's the real problem, is that the guys who are the truly elite players typically re-sign with their original team or their original team works out a trade and the, the player signs a contract with their new team. And there are reasons for that. And then, But the guys who hit the open market, they're not the great players. In fact, you know, so I said 7 out of 47 guys who made an all-pro team this year got to their team through free agency. I compared this to the NBA, the basketball league. Now, the NBA has what's known as the all-NBA team. Uh, there are 15 players. They have a first team, a second team, and a third team, five players on the first team, five players on the second team, five players on the third team. Of those 15 players, I counted five from last year who changed teams in free agency this year alone. Five, and that's not, that's not counting guys like LeBron James, who's moved in free agency you know, three times in his career, or Kevin Durant, who's moved twice in his career. The difference makers in the NBA can be acquired through free agency if you're a team that kn- knows how to get them. And that's what makes the NFL different from other leagues. The NFL, the difference makers don't go through free agency. In the NBA, they, in the NBA, building through free agency is a valid way to build your roster. In the NFL, it's not. And uh, in our next segment, I'm going to explain. I'm going to offer some a few explanations as to why I think this is. Locked on Jets podcast here on a Tuesday, and today I'm offering some views as to why I don't think you can build through free agency in the NFL. In our last segment, I kind of gave out, gave the numbers and showed how rare it is to find an elite player, a player who's at the top of the league at his position through free agency. And wh- why don't these players hit the open market? Well, I think one of the biggest reasons is the franchise tag, which is something we've talked about. Is Each year, your, each team is allowed to designate one player, their franchise player, put the franchise tag on the player. That player really, for all intents and purposes, cannot hit free agency at that point. And... They have to either sign a one-year contract worth, you know, the average of the top five players at their position. So it's not a, you know, they're they're still making decent money, but they're making much less money than they would on the open market because on the open market they get a, a multi-year contract for tens of millions of dollars guaranteed, whereas on the franchise tag they have to sign a one-year contract. So that entices players to sign re-sign with their original team because they know they're not going to be able to hit the open market. So if they want a long-term extension, their team has the franchise tag that they can use. There's only one team you can get a long-term deal from. 
And that plays into it. And I think also the injury factor plays into it as well. The NFL is a league where your career could be over on any given play. And while that's technically true in other sports, not to the extent it is in the NFL. Catastrophic injuries happen in the NFL. And even if it doesn't end your career, even if you get back on the field, an injury could radically alter the trajectory of your career. You could be go from a star from one, one day, suffer a serious injury, and never be the same again. So with that in mind, when the team gives, offers you a contract extension, you might be inclined to take it, even if it's a little bit less than you could get on the open market, because you'll have to wait to hit the open market. So all of these things, I think, come into play. And I think this is the reason you can't find difference makers. And that's when I say you can't build through free agency. That's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the top players in the NFL. Those are players that I think can only be found in the draft or through a trade. And trades are a little tricky because you have to pay a guy. You, know, you have to pay a lot of guy a lot of money. Whereas if you draft successfully, if you draft a star, that player is cost-controlled for the first four years of his career because he's playing on a cheap rookie contract, which is why it's so important to draft well. Now, in free agency, what you try and find, you try and find undervalued players. And there are, no, there are no set rules. You know, I would never say you only sign players who are coming off an injury. And I'd never say you sign, you sign all the players coming off an injury. You have to evaluate it on a case-by-case basis. But sometimes players are undervalued because they're coming off an injury and they're trying to reestablish their market value. So they're willing to take, take a cheap one-year deal to have a good year and make more money next offseason. Or it might be a guy who was just a bad scheme fit, and his you know he didn't fit his old team for whatever reason he you know, but he, his skill set fits your scheme better, so you can get him for cheap. These are the types of guys you can get. Sometimes these are starting players. Sometimes these are valuable role players. You know, there there are plenty of useful players, and these are the guys the Jets are going to need to find. And I'm sure we'll talk about them in the days and weeks ahead as we get closer and closer to the off season. So I think that, and I think that's one of the things the Jets have done wrong, and I think it's one of the things the Jets did wrong under Mike McCagney. They were always the team setting the market. They were always looking for the biggest name free agents, the True Man Johnsons of the world, when they should have been looking for role players, and they needed to hit the, they needed to hit their draft picks better. If you don't draft well in the NFL, you're not going anywhere. It's not it's it's not about building through free agency. Yes, it's about finding good role players in free agency. Jamison Crowder was a good signing. Brian Poole was a good signing. The true main Johnsons of the world, those are bad signings. Those are the signings that sink you because you're paying a guy like he's an elite player. And yet, look, Johnson may not have, you know, there's no guarantee Johnson was going to be as bad as he was, but he was never going to live up to the contract the Jets gave him. Jets should have been smarter, and the Jets need to be smarter going forward. And I'm hopeful that this new GM has a better approach to free agency. Jets are going to need to find free agents, they're going to need to find starters, but they need to find value players. Not just the big names, because the big names make more money than they're worth. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source and leave it a good review. Hope you have a wonderful Tuesday, everybody, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.